0: 707, I'm Brandon Boxer, just a few minutes away from our Thursday morning guest at this time, Matt Mayer, president of Opportunity Ohio, also our 610 WTVN political contributor. I Loved his latest piece at OpportunityOhio.org because I think it echoes what so many families, so many parents especially, are looking at right now with what's going on with Russia and the war in Ukraine. How far do we go as a country uh, and as far as help goes, as far as uh, aid goes, getting involved in in something that isn't happening, you know, right here in the United States, but obviously is affecting us. So Matt will also do that and uh, an assessment of the U.S. Senate uh, Republican races too, as we are what two months out here, less than that from the May primary. Later on to the hour, Jay Ratliff, our aviation expert, is going to be joining us, getting the latest from the airlines. Believe it or not, there's talk now that the rising oil prices could create more airline mergers or even a, a worst-case scenario, Chapter 11 bankruptcy at this point. So Jay's going to have more on that coming your way at uh, 7.35. Just a few things uh, locally that we're looking at this morning. There's a Westerville man who's now been charged with impersonating a police officer. Talk about a creepy story. Setting up a meetings to coerce sex from an actual undercover officer. 49 year old Pristine uh, had, or Jason Pristine, excuse me, made several, I, I guess, moves indicating that he was an officer and during the meeting at a hotel along Stelzer Road. Court documents confirmed that he had no affiliation, obviously, with uh, law enforcement. And Senator Sherrod Brown is lobbying to make the expanded tax child tax credit a permanent thing said that he's working with the Senator, uh, Senator Mitt Romney and others to introduce legislation making last year's $300 monthly credits permanent for America's children under the age of 17. And of course, since this started last year with uh, Biden, there's been a huge debate on whether that should go forward or not. Brown had said that the program from July to December of last year helped over 2.2 million children in Ohio. Uh, The other argument is that, especially with the Republicans as well, uh, it also allowed people not to have to work. Uh, That's been the argument from the other side. So how much is too much? And more damage is unfolding in Ukraine after Russia reportedly bombed a maternity hospital, at least 17 people injured. Uh, As of this morning on that, we have three deaths, including one child. And Ohio State men's basketball getting ready to take on Penn State tonight in the Big Ten men's basketball tournament. Tip-off should take place at 9 o'clock. Right now on the LegacyRetirementGroup.com phone line, we welcome from the great city of Dublin, Mr. Matt Mayer, President of Opportunity Ohio. Matt, thanks for joining us as always on Thursday.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Brandon.
0: All right. Hey, look, I I read the most of your latest piece on Opportunity Ohio. If you don't mind, I'd like to go there first, and it's titled "For Which Country Would You Send Your Kid to Fight and Die?" And it, and it touched me because you talk about your three kids and and their age ranges, and and it really what it is, Matt. I feel like is the water cooler talk we're all talking about is how far should we go with helping Ukraine?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think it it is a core question many Americans are asking, and not, not just about Ukraine and Russia, but about Taiwan and China, North Korea, Iran. I mean, when you, when you boil it down, you know, what, what the piece really tries to argue is we're in a new era, and the era is real-time public access to fighting war, meaning we get videos, images, pictures almost in real time now. Yeah. And so it's not like World War One, right, where you know, you have these. You know, the the Battle of the Somme, where 300,000 people died, but nobody really saw the images or could or got news of it till much later, right? Or World War II, the Battle of the Hurricane Forest, where 50,000 casualties occurred over a completely tact, you know, strategically and tactically dumb, dumb, dumb battle. Yeah. And and so it, it, it takes the position of, you know, will Americans sustain the death of our young men and women? fighting in a war that we don't quite see the national security interest in right it's one thing if they're coming here well we would all. well apparently some most democrats wouldn't stay and fight the rest of us would <laughs> right but yeah but you know we we've really gotta i think reevaluate our national security strategy to reflect that that reality which is when the images and videos start coming home of young americans on the battlefield Will the popular support remain? Because if it's not, then we got to really think hard and long about whether we should be fighting that war.
0: Matt Mayer is our political contributor here on 610 WTVN, and he's the president of Opportunity Ohio, uh, OpportunityOhio.org. Matt, you, in your piece specifically, and I've wondered this too— you speak about you know America in 2022 isn't like America in 1917 and 1944, World War One and Two respectively, and I, I do think about that often. The 24-hour news cycle. Do you think history would be a bit different today had they had all the social media and the you know what I mean, the 24-hour news cycles?
1: I think unequivocally would be. I mean, if you if you've done any reading about the the Pacific Theater of World War Two and you know the the island the island, the grind, the death, the devastation of the u s. soldiers that had to occur if we were going to take back each of those islands to make our way to Japan. It would have absolutely impacted if those images were coming back in real time, that again, that public access real-time era that we have today, it would have it would have impacted sentiment. You know, if, when I talk about the Battle of the Somme, I mean that happened before we got into the war if if that would have come back over across the pond and Americans would have seen the devastation and the death over six miles of territory, that was it. 300,000 people dead over six miles. It would have absolutely impacted whether people were willing to send their young sons uh, over to fight that war. And, and, and I think that's where it's a real difficult issue that uh, that I think our national security apparatus is going to have to factor in when we think about fighting that next war and whether it's is it truly an an issue or or, or we need to fight uh, and if so why and will 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 the will the support for that maintain once those images start coming back right
0: yeah matt i don't know if you'd agree with this but i i feel like america to its default uh, has a not only a big heart but it always feels like the need you know to help others and and in your piece i'll let you elaborate right after this you talk about the strategy of denial Uh, Elbridge Colby, and how America should approach its national defense strategy. I'll read this real quick. If a war with China is seen to bring costs and risks that exceed Americans' tolerances, U.S. policymakers could find themselves on the cusp or in the midst of a necessary war only to realize that American public does not want to fight or fight hard enough. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, and I think that's exactly the core question we've got to ask. I mean, you know, you have to keep in mind, look what's happening in Russia right because they have a sustainable nuclear threat meaning we can't take it out even if we wanted to right so it would survive an an attack by us look what, I mean we're kind of held hostage there's really nothing we can do to help ukraine that 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 russia wouldn't see as an act of war so we kind of sit here and do sanctions we 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 won't buy the oil but in terms of helping get things into the to help the ukrainian people we're kind of powerless and and you would see a similar issue arise if taiwan if china invades taiwan you know we're in that same position china has a survival nuclear threat so what are we going to do right And, and it gets into are we better to try to contain china in the south china sea rather than try to fight over an island 100 miles off its coast where 70 years ago that those are Chinese folks that fled to that island to create the Republic of China that, that you know, we love and adore. Yeah. But at the end of the day, are, are, men in, are Americans going to die on that island? And, and I think that's a serious question that needs to be answered.
0: Matt Mayers with his president of Opportunity Ohio, also our political contributor on the station and the show. Matt, you spent years studying policy, and you'd probably be one of the best people to ask about this. On a global platform— how do you fix what's going on with Russia and Ukraine then? And there's probably not one answer.
1: You know, I I think it it look, it appeared to me that Donald Trump had had Putin in a box during his presidency, right? He mm-hmm. had sanctions on Nord Stream 2 and that that was difficult for Putin and I think because people, you know, one of the criticisms of Trump was, you know, oh, the guy seems crazy, he's unstable. Well, I, never, I wrote about this years ago. There is benefit to having that in the in the White House because people like Kim Jong-un, right, or Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping or the Ayatollah, if they're not sure what he might do, they're going to check themselves.
0: Yep, kept him in check. Right?
1: When, yeah, right. Yeah. When you have a leader like Biden, that's clearly weak, who's you know doesn't take those firm stance that that wants to be liked rather than feared and respected. Well, you know that's when Putin does what he does, right? And it's not it is not coincidental that he when went into Ukraine the first time under Obama, nothing happened during Trump, and now he goes in within a year of Biden. That's not coincidental, Brandon, and, and, yeah. if the, and the left can try to pretend that that's not the reality, but it is, right? And, and so I think you know we've got to get back to a foreign policy posture that keeps those despots kind of in a box to the degree you can because they're afraid of us, and they're not afraid of us right now.
0: Uh, Matt Mayer is with us, president of Opportunity Ohio. I want to switch gears real quick. We've got a few minutes left and we're less than two months out from the primary, at least as far as we know, we think there's still going to be uh, a primary. I want to get your assessment of the U.S. Senate races here, especially the Republican portion uh, in Ohio, Matt, because you've been watching this very closely. I know you've watched a ton of interviews. Matter of fact, it wasn't too long ago that you said you, you talked about Gibbons. And you're like, you know, Gibbons has a real good chance of winning. And now I see with this latest poll, which you can, you know, elaborate on, he's actually ahead.
1: Yeah, not only in the poll, in the real clear politics average, he's ahead. So he, he's at 20% yep. right now among the, the aggregate of polling. Josh Mandel comes in at about 18.7. J.D. advances at 11. Jane Timkins at 8.3. And Matt Dolan's at 7.7. Leaves a huge chunk of undecided. But but yeah, Mike Gibbons has now risen to the top, and and you know if, if he continues to spend money to stay on TV, I, it seems to me he has a fairly decent chance without Trump getting into the race of winning.
0: Now, obviously, Matt, one of the secret sauces you and I have talked extensively about this is well, he's been spending money, he's he's been out there. But what else do you think the appeal is with uh, Gibbons?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think he just seems like kind of. A normal Ohioan. I mean, he you know he's a guy that you know, br- worked himself up on the bootstraps to become a multimillionaire and, and successful. People, he's in some ways he has that same Trump bi- biography, but you know obviously Trump started from a much higher position. But you know Mike came from you know pretty modest background to rise to to, yeah. to the position he is, and and he's a businessman. He's not a career politician, and I think Ohioans are yearning for that that. Feeling, right? That kind of a candidate. He's kind of like Florida's Rick Scott, right? Successful guy who comes into politics late in the game. Oh, yeah. You know, unlike, you know, like Josh Mandel. I mean, Josh just, you know, I think people are looking for reasons not to vote for Josh at this point. He's falling. He's falling 20 points. You know, he's great clickbait. He's great for Fox News news hits because of how kind of
0: what he says he can be. Yeah.
1: But he goes to D.C., he's going to spend more time trying to out-cruise Ted Cruz or out-cotton Tom Cotton, right? He's, he's not the kind of guy that's going to get stuff done in Washington because he's going to be too busy looking for the cameras. I mean, that's the difference, right? I think J.D., incredible, thoughtful guy, right? Cerebral, uh, amazing biography. He's, he's an Ohioan through and through, very much like Mike Gibbons, right? And I think if he can find the money to really get on TV in a meaningful way, I think he has a chance of rising as well. He would be like a Utah's Mike Lee, right? Very smart, hardworking, tempered, has depth to it intellectually. You know, I think you've got Jane Timken. She's very wooden, dry, right? Hard to connect with. Um, Needs to be more relational, right? You watch her in interviews, and there's just not that kind of relating with people kind of sentiment you get. She's kind of like, you know, if she goes to D.C., she's like a Nebraska's Deb Fisher or North Dakota's Kevin Kramer, which you and everyone else is going, Who? And that's exactly right. They're very forgettable, right? Just, oh, who is that person? You know, and then and Matt Dolan, he's just establishment Republican bowler plate, right? Boring, boring, boring. There's no real unique selling point to his candidacy at all. He, he'd be most like Rob Portman, probably, right? If somebody wants to replace Rob Portman, my guess is Matt Dolan would be that selection for them. But but I think Gibbons right now is, is the kind of interesting interesting candidate because of kind of who he is, where he came from, and... People respect that.
0: Hey, Matt, we don't talk very much about the other side. It, it's amazing to see all the candidates on the Republican side. And then the Democrat side, please correct me if I'm wrong. There's only what, Tim Ryan and is it Morgan Harper?
1: Yeah, and there's another candidate, but okay. this, but nobody's nobody's close to Tim Ryan. I mean, Tim Tim right now is is probably easily gonna win their primaries, which is why we okay. don't talk about that yeah. much, right? It's yeah. there's not sure. much to talk about. It's it's kind of a easy thing for Tim right now. the, the big issue for Tim is once he wins the the Democrat, you know, nomination, what, what, who, how does he navigate a red state, which Ohio is, that voted for Trump by eight, eight points twice? Uh, how does he navigate that? And he's got some kind of interesting things that you know, I guess after the primary, you and I can start talking about yeah, uh, yeah. some of the interesting things about Tim. But but yeah, there's just not much going on over there.
0: Hey, I've got about thirty seconds, but it just popped in my head. You know, I think there's a couple of years before he would, if he decides to run for re-election, Sherrod Brown. Would Sherrod, do you see, have the same issues? Well,
1: Sherrod's coming. this unique guy that, yeah. despite the redness of Ohio, he keeps winning by 6%, whether it was against Josh Mandel or against Jim Renese, he wins by 6%. Um, there's just something unique about Sherrod. He's that hardworking, up your sleeves blue-collar guy, appeal. although he went to Yale, so not that blue-collar. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, and some people think that Matt Dolan's run this time is really... Preparing a run to go against Sher- Sherrod Brown in a, in a couple of years. That he's getting his name ID up statewide. Uh, that that all that money he put in and that his his parents are putting in is is really money that's going to be used in a couple of years to go after Brown uh, in that race. But you know, I, 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 I don't know that I've not heard that. But that's just you look at Keeley's and you just kind of go got in so late. You know, is this really? If you really think he can kind of win this primary, given he won't get Trump's endorsement. So you know, what's the what's the point of his candidacy?